If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. Woolworths has certainly become a formidable player in South Africa's retail space, so much so that they've also recently, as we know, have dominated the Australian market despite the challenges there. To talk us through some of the uh, earnings and the numbers, which have seen a decline in profits, uh, but also fundamentally looking at a change in reporting, uh, given uh, the um, slow removal from the uh, market participation in Australia, we join now on the line by the CEO of Woolworths, Mr. Roy Bagatini. Such a pleasure to have you, Roy, and welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, good evening, and welcome, uh, welcome to you, and then thanks to the, uh, to the listeners. Thank you kindly. I guess first things first, naturally when we do take a look at the results, it's quite clear that this is a consequence of the macroeconomic environment we find ourselves in, and uh, I guess just the operational uh, inefficiencies that uh, many economies do have. But talk us through a few of the challenges you've witnessed in South Africa and Australia from a group point of view. Yes, no, certainly. I think it is worth putting the, the, the results into a little bit of context. I mean, we are all, I think, facing these sort of tough macros. Uh, and in our case, uh, we're also coming off a, a base of record earnings last year. So mm. that was always going to be difficult to comp. But uh, really, in that context, I think the results are quite respectable, particularly in South Africa. Willie's business here in South Africa you know, grew really nicely on the top line, around 7% or so, but grew our profits by 10% which I think is no mean feat in the context of, uh, I guess, the macro challenges we all face in, in, in the country. Um, yes, the Australian business, I think, uh, uh, was uh, you know, significantly impacted by macros. Uh, they are experiencing their lowest levels of consumer confidence, uh, you know, right going back to the, uh, the global uh, sort of financial crisis. Mm. Uh, you know, they've got all sorts of challenges to contend with, and that obviously plays through into you know, consumers coming to your stores, traffic, uh, is down by significant percentages uh, and they, they're just not spending money on discretionary categories. So all retailers there are, are battling at the moment. Mm. Just on Australia specifically, the wind down on operations, there is a specific timeline to, to how best this yes. will be managed? Yes, you know, we did sell the David Jones business, uh, yes. which has been transformational for Woolworths. Uh, we're able to really fundamentally reset uh, our balance sheet. Uh, we've actually improved our earnings. Our earnings. We've improved our return metrics uh, very significantly there. And that now is basically behind us. We've got a couple of operational pieces to uh, unravel between mm-hmm. the country road group and the David Jones business. But that will all be concluded by the end of this financial year, by June, July this year. Mm. Let's come closer to home because I guess this is where South Africans might be thinking, well, they still shop around for their uh, special of uh, two full chickens, rotisserie chickens on a Sunday. But there's a lot that goes into making that happen. It's uh, the additional power to keep the ovens on, the lighting on, making sure you can supply the chicken if there isn't the outage of avian flu. And of course, just making sure that the movement and logistical uh, constraints aren't uh, uh, apprehended by other challenges in the market. Give us some context into, you know, the South African um, um, solutions you've had to implement to respond to some of these challenges that you like. Yes, no, I mean, and, and it is a range of different challenges and I think we're all in, in the same boat in a sense and I think uh, the opportunity we see is, the, is, is being able to navigate some of these things a little bit more efficiently. The port and the, the, port and the infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, and the logistical challenges are certainly there and we've had to sort of reconfigure some of our, our internal processes to, to anticipate certain levels of friction at different ports and then re uh, redirect our sort of incoming product uh, to the right sort of port. Uh, we've had to air freight in a number of uh, a number of our products, etc. We've certainly changed the way we order product and we flow product to sort of mitigate the potential risks that are just now inherent in in, in our landscape. But uh, you know, these are things that I think in South Africa, 
you typically, you know, you know, business as usual for us is an obstacle course. You know, you do, you never, you never, you're never really going to have, uh, you know, uh, no challenges to sort of deal with. We've got these things uh, typically always coming at us, uh, and I think uh, an opportunity for us is to to find a way of doing that uh, better, perhaps than some of our peers do. Mm. Keeping with the Woolworths food business, let's talk Dash. Everybody loves a quick delivery yes. that can uh, come on time. Uh, talk us through the growth, but most importantly, yes. perhaps new innovations and solutions to bolster this uh, aspect of your business. Yes, Greg. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, we have grown that Dash business by around 75% over the last mm. six months. Um, and uh, and that's been uh, that's been fundamentally due to uh, the extension of uh, the op- the, uh, the service coverage. We up until now we haven't been able to sort of uh, you know uh, service most of our customers. We're now servicing up to 90% of our current customer base through the Dash offering. Offering we've extended the trading hours. We've increased the number of sort of slot capacity so you can place an order. Uh, and we've also opened a, a dark store, particularly here in Cape Town, which exclusively mm. services um, you know, the online customer. Uh, and, and through that process, we've got a lot more efficient. We've been able to improve uh, our, our service levels. And importantly, we've also been able to improve, you know, just the profitability of that business, uh, uh, you know, uh, for us. So uh, very, very excited about this. Customers are really becoming much more comfortable uh, shopping for groceries online, certainly a couple of items at a time, um, and uh, and we need to we need to be able to do that well uh, and respond uh, respond to where the customer is at, and that goes for everything we do. You know, I mean, whether it's in the fresh space um, or whether it's in uh, yeah in the long life space. I mean, we have a a sort of a cold chain solution uh, on the back of the bikes uh, that our delivery drivers uh, uh, use, uh, so that you can get your product in the same condition that you would. Have, have bought it and had you shopped it in the store. Mm. Um, yeah, whether it's ice cream or even whether it's chicken, you know, yeah. our rotisserie chickens, as you mentioned earlier, you know, those two for one specials are quite phenomenal. We sold over five million chickens in the first six months. And if you, sure. and, and if you sort of stack them side by side or end to end, you know, that would take you from here to Victoria Falls or here to sort of, uh, Zimbabwe, basically. Jeez. So uh, it's a lot of chicken, um, and obviously uh, we see it as certainly the best, the best chicken in the market. And it's because of 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 of, of what we do with them and the way we sort of harvest them. Mm. I think that's such an interesting insight. Next time we actually make our ways to the counter, it, it provides a lot more perspective there. <laughs> uh, and I guess keeping with, with what you do see within Woolworths Food, maybe we can shift to the cash-free uh, change. One of our listeners just reminded me that um, the W Cafe actually moved to going cashless earlier this year. Only yeah. affecting your cafes, not your overall retail experience. Uh, and I understand that this is part of the move, obviously, for smaller transactions to be cashless. Uh, highlight this and I guess even the growing trend and themes that are you know speaking to financial services or financial management or cash flow management within yeah, so retail stores like yours? That's right. So typically when we sort of uh, take initiatives like this, I mean, we obviously consult pretty broadly with our customers uh, and sort of understand where they're sort of, uh, where, they, where they're going in terms of this. I mean, at the moment we have 16 out of our 69 cafes that are cashless, um, cashless and we're looking to sort of expand that more. We do find not having to deal with cash in that environment a massive advantage, as do our customers. Uh, you know, so and we're really trialing it, and we'll see where that where that where that where that really gets us. So we're not introducing um, you know cashless uh, cashless uh, you know within our major stores. This is only through our cafe chain, mm. but uh, we will look to uh, looking at cashless stores and and, and self service checkouts and that type of technologies you know more broadly as we go. But it is you know there are a number of benefits to removing uh, you know the cash as a tender uh, you know out of out of the system.
Mm. Uh, another question that we have from one of our listeners uh, uh, on, on social media is actually asking if any of the outcomes of specific food recalls, the chicken shortage, uh, mm. egg shortage, and even what we see now uh, impacting peanut butter and peanut butter associated products, if these recalls actually have uh, translating to any impact on your revenues at all? No, in fact, they don't. And the reason, mm-hmm. reason for that is, I mean, customers really appreciate the integrity uh, uh, with which we do this. Uh, you know, we... Um, yeah, we, we, we saw there was a particular challenge with peanut butter in this case. Uh, you know, a number of our peer groups had, 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 had issued recalls and we proactively went and tested every product that has anything to do with peanuts or peanut butter in our stores, whether it was snacks or whether it was anything else, um, including peanut butter itself. Um, and we found that across all of them, and these were all independently tested, across all of them, it was really only our peanut butter ice cream that came from a particular supplier that had these levels of aflatoxin, and that's why we went out uh, mm-hmm. and, and we did a product recall. Our peanut butter is still perfectly safe, as any of the other peanut products that we have in our stores. So feel free to go out and buy them and consume them. Um, and we, we, you know, this is, not, this is not peanut butter, but in any case, where we, where we come across a, a product that does not meet our quality standard in any way, or food safe, food safe and healthy standards in any way, you know, we basically we, 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 we pull it uh, immediately because ultimately at the end of the day, it's the customer's health and well-being that's the absolute priority for us. 100%. Roy, another aspect that intrigued me in your numbers was taking a look at Woolworths Financial Services. And this is the increase in uh, impairments, annualized impairment rate for yes. the six months that uh, increased yes. from 55 to 6.3%. Help us contextualize this, especially when it comes to the behavior or financial flexibility and fitness of our consumer. Yes, no, I think what you're seeing in terms of the, the impairment rate ticking up, um, you know, it's really a function of where we, where, where we are in terms of the health of the customer or the consumer. Um, that impairment level, in fact, is a little bit off its high. It had actually gone a little higher than that mm-hmm. you know, in, the, in the previous six months. And so that is sort of coming back to what we would see as a normalized level. Uh, but it's also important to note that that level of impairment um, in the book there is actually the lowest uh, you know, in the sector. So we have the healthiest sure. book in the sector, even although we're growing that book by, by 10%. Interesting. And I, I guess let's talk about the sector as we do wrap up on prospects going forward. Uh, as you allude to in your outlook statement, it's still going to be a very challenging environment. But despite this, investors still want solid returns and a pretty dividend. Uh, help us understand if there are any opportunities you might be eyeing at the moment uh, and ways within which you'll um, boost the balance yeah. No, no, I mean, so, so to get to that, I mean, uh, you know, we, we do have a very strong balance sheet. We're, we're a fundamentally different business today than what we were just a few years ago. We've done a lot of the heavy lifting. We've uh, really certainly fixed and repositioned a number of the areas that we were not entirely comfortable with. Um, yeah, and we can now obviously look forward uh, to a number uh, of, of opportunities that some of our competitors are unfortunately not quite there yet. I mean, so with the strong balance sheet, it does give you the opportunity to look at op- other opportunities in the market. Uh, and you would have probably heard or known that we've uh, more recently announced the acquisition of uh, mm-hmm. Absolute Pets. Um, yes. as, a, as, a, as, as an opportunity to come into the Woolworths Group. And we're very excited about that. You know, it's going through its final stages of competition commission approval, and we hope to get that underway in the next month or two. Uh, but really, because of the opportunity we see in the pet care category, mm-hmm. um, very exciting uh, for us, and the combination of absolute pets and Woolworths, I think, really uh, will, will enable us to lead in that particular category going forward. So, 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 so that, that's one of the things we've yeah, on, the, on, on a number of other levels, um, we've obviously been reinvesting very significantly back into our South African businesses. Mm-hmm. We've got a 10 billion rand program uh, 
uh, of capital expenditure investment back into our own businesses in the food space as well as in, in, in the fashion space. And uh, that's all behind new avenues of growth. So, uh, and, and in addition to that, we've bought back a whole lot of our shares, which has also transformed uh, you know, our returns metrics for the group. So overall, you know, we're in very good shape. I mean, our, our teams are very committed to their strategies. They're working. Um, you know, our customers, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are sort of loving us more and more. And that's really, really at the center of everything that we, we do is make sure that customer love continues to grow. Definitely. And our listeners are part of that audience. But before I let you go, Roy, you've just reminded me that despite the challenges in the market, there's still opportunities. And I'm made aware that uh, Woolworths, like many of the other clothing retailers in South Africa, have uh, found ways of mitigating the short flow of stock due to the uh, shortage or backlogs at the port uh, by boosting the local manufacturing environment. Is this sustainable, especially in terms of the volumes that you require? And talk us through perhaps even further investment that you'll make here. Yes, no, it's a, and it's a great point and a great question. No, no doubt, I mean, those port and those infrastructure challenges that we spoke about a little earlier, I mean, are certainly there. But one of the things that, uh, that, it, that, that we do have done to mitigate that, and in fact, it's not just around the port uh, and the port challenges. This has been a strategy that we've been at now for a couple of years, is really investing and developing local sourcing. So we have about now 33% um, of our products in the fashion space locally sourced out of South Africa. So that's come up from, uh, from, from, from the late 20s to around 33% in the last few years. And we do this through developing suppliers and, and we sort of um, work with them to exclusively support us. So we have a number of suppliers now in and around the country that uh, specifically uh, uh, service, uh, service what our requirements are. Um, and we don't do that through buying uh, manufacturers. We basically rather invest... Uh, which is our preferred approach, mm-hmm. uh, and it really we see it as actually broadening the economic base by some more supporting smaller business owners and true entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just buying out their factories. I mean, this is an approach we've taken successfully in foods as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we have over 60% uh, of our supplier base exclusive to us, um, and over 93% of our of our of our product in our food stores is locally locally sort of sourced. So we have a very big focus on local uh, and and developing the local economy, the local supplies, the local infrastructure to to support that. It's become a big competitive advantage for us uh, in our businesses in food and in fashion. 100%. Sounds like you have a good story to tell in terms of sustainability and uh, a full overview of uh, ESG, especially with the focus on social in a country like South Africa. Such a pleasure speaking to you. Oh, go ahead, Roy. No, no, thank you very much. No, I mean, on sustainability, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's sort of, you know, we're defined by what the work we do around sustainability. I mean, mm-hmm. we've uh, been at this for some time. We are the most sustainable retailer in the country. Uh, certainly, I mean, you know, when you look externally, and there's a lot of greenwashing that's taking place, you know, mm-hmm. where people claim sustainability in certain, uh, in certain areas. Uh, we have a lot of external uh, validation processes uh, and certification processes, obviously, around the planet. It's around uh, you know the, the people in the communities that we've impacted. It's also around our own people. Yes. Um, and you know I don't know if you know, but we have uh, you know we, we've made very significant investments in improving the um, the wages of our own staff. I mean, we 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 we, we pay our frontline staff 20% above the retail average mm-hmm. uh, in the country, and more than 50% above the national minimum. Uh, you know we really believe that uh, you know a minimum wage is not a living wage and a living wage is not a just wage 
So we really are investing to, to upgrade the lives uh, and livelihoods of, the, of, of, of our frontline employees. And that's why you do, to some extent, get a different experience when you come yes. into a Woolly store um, uh, versus perhaps uh, you know, one of the other retailers. Fantastic. It goes beyond the cool air conditioning there, Roy. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure engaging you this evening, sir. Looking forward to uh, seeing future outcomes from the business from you. Thanks, Julie. Thank you very much and, and have a good evening. Thank you. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.